0: hello this is kelly mcgee and it is october the 7th 2020 and we're doing a jordan maxwell called the chief cornerstone this is two hours and 27
1: seconds i want to thank you all for coming tonight the weather's pretty bad but I thank you for being here. Uh, I always like to start off my presentations by saying I am not the world's foremost authority on anything. Many people have been very generous to me and accolades, but in point of fact, I'm not an authority on anything. I am simply an ordinary man pursuing extraordinary knowledge. I was given a mind and a brain by the God that created me, and consequently, I, I chose a long time ago to use it as far as i'm concerned uh there's a whole world of knowledge which is hidden from most people because most people can't handle the truth and i wanted to know that's the difference early in life i decided that i wanted to know the truth about everything i could find out about everything i could think of And so I pursued uh, reading and studying and questioning all kinds of authors and writers and I used to write letters around the world to different corporations. I used to correspond with the Chinese government and the Russian government and and all of the secret societies and it became apparent to me that there's a bigger world out there than what you know. There are things going on out here in the world that The people who run this world from behind the scenes are many things, but stupid is not one of them. They are operating on a very high spiritual level, the people who run this world. And so often in theology, as in most things in life, there are two kinds of facts. There's the kind of fact that you look up and the kind that you make up. And I have always understood the difference. And to ask the right questions is to be halfway to the right answer. I am absolutely disturbed and amazed at how much Christianity has slipped from what it started out to be as opposed to what it is today. Christianity is not found today in America virtually anywhere. Uh, Go back to Steven Spielberg's movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The crusade was for the cup of Christ, uh, the most holy relic, supposedly, in Christendom. And they finally, at the end of the movie, find the cup of Christ, the Holy Grail. Where did the uh, Indiana Jones and his father, where did they find the cup of the grail? They found it in Petra, a small little tiny place in the country of Jordan. Remember they went through the mountainous mountains and they found the holy treasure of Christianity in Petra. And remember Indiana Jones when he's fighting those men in the boat and he finally comes up to the dock after fighting the men at the dock and he says uh, he's looking for the holy ark. I mean, the holy relic of Christianity and the guy is wearing the fez, the Masonic fez and he opens his shirt and shows a insignia that's that's tattooed on him and he said, we are the keepers of the secret of the Grail. Yes, we're talking about Masonry. We're talking about Freemasonry. We're talking about secret societies operating out of Petra. We're talking about a very interesting story that's been hidden from view As I said, Steven Spielberg is a lot of things, but stupid's not one of them. He knows the story, and I do too. I want to bring to you tonight one part of that story. In the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. Twice, both in 1 Peter and in the book of Revelation, both, Jesus is referred to as the chief cornerstone. But in the Old Testament, uh, the book of Psalms and the book of Isaiah, the Messiah, not Jesus, but Messiah is referred to as the chief cornerstone, the builders rejected. So now we have in Hebrew, the chief cornerstone is a symbol for the Messiah, and in the New Testament, Christianity, Jesus is referred to the same, the chief cornerstone. Now most Christians in the world who have not done any homework <clears throat> but who go along to get along have never questioned and do not know that there is a world of difference between a cornerstone and a chief cornerstone. That's where the trick is played. The word cornerstone is simply a Stone at the corner of a building the first stone laid it has to be truly squared and consequently you square the building to start with and then you lead out the bricks from that cornerstone and make a square building that's the cornerstone but in the Hebrew and in the Aramaic and Greek language of the New Testament chief cornerstone means something totally different that's what I want to talk with you tonight. Because you need to understand that if you're going to understand, now let me, let me clarify that word. <clears throat> if you, give you an example of the word understand. If you're going to build, uh, if you have a two-story building, and you're going to put a lot of weight on the second floor, like printing presses and all that kind of thing, you're going to put a lot of weight on the second floor. If you were smart, what you would do first is go downstairs, get on a ladder with a building inspector and go up through the ceiling tiles and look at the foundation of that floor that you're going to build on to see if it's gonna hold that kind of weight. So what are you doing? You are now standing under the foundation to get understanding. That's where the word comes from. To understand means to stand under the foundation. Don't look at the foundation, dig deeper. There's always a story beneath the story. Another example is if you were going to ship a package across the country, you go out in the garage and you find a rope and you tie up the box with the rope and that'll be sufficient usually. But if you're going to take that rope and go out to the edge of a 10 story building and tie it off at the edge and hang on it, Now you better check the integrity of that rope that you're gonna hang your life on. The same is true in your belief systems. If you're going to believe something, you better do your homework and find out what the words really mean. Because the men who run this world from behind the scenes are telling you something and they're doing something and unless you know how to read the code, you're never going to figure out what's going on here. A classic example before we get started on this word chief cornerstone. A classic example is the word church. Many people use the word church and have no concept in their mind where it comes from, where that word comes from. The word church comes from a a Scottish word, Kirk, which gives us Captain Kirk of the good ship Enterprise, okay? talking money, enterprise, Captain Kirk. You think that's silly? It's very serious. <clears throat> Kirk in Scottish is church in English, but Kirk in Scottish goes back to a Greek goddess named Mother Circe. Mother Circe becomes Mother Circe in Rome. And then the Knights Templars took the worship of Mother Circe from Rome, into Scotland and called it Mother Kirk and the English call it Mother Church so once you begin to see Church is merely Kirk which is merely Circe go back and look at the um, mythology of Mother Circe in Greece Mother Circe according to Greek mythology was able to hypnotize people with her magic and bring them into her house and close the door and take from them their mentality and their brains and turn them into animals and eat them. This is precisely what Mother Church has done. All over the world she has brought in people and took from them their mentality, their intelligence, and their natural ability to think and shut the door behind and now live off of them. They send checks and she lives off of them. Let me warn you that the same people who have given you Illuminati, who have given you your international banking cartels, who have given you your, your corrupt governmental systems, has also given you the church. There is, a, there is a story in the Bible, in the New Testament, we call Christianity. It is a hidden story. It's filled with symbols. It's a metaphor. This is why the Bible is called the greatest story. The, the greatest story ever told. It's just a story. But it's very interestingly woven as to symbolics, metaphors. And once you understand what the symbols mean, it finally hits you. Wow, now I see what the Bible's saying. And it's not saying anything like what you thought Mother Church had taught you. The Church is merely a corporate entity founded in Europe by the Knights Templars, the same people today we call international bankers. International bankers own your government, they presume to own your body, they own your systems of communication, your banking systems, they own. The church. Uh, You might ask yourself, why does the Pope wear the Jewish yarmulke? Very interesting. Let me get back now to the concept of the cornerstone. A cornerstone, as I said, is the corner of a building. But Jesus and the Messiah in the Old Testament is called the chief cornerstone. What you're looking at here is the chief cornerstone of Scripture. So many things have been said about this uh, symbol right here. Why is a pyramid on the back of a dollar bill in America? Why did American powers that be, the banking, religious banking powers of America, why did they put a pyramid, an Egyptian pyramid, on the back of an American dollar bill? <clears throat> and what does anuit uh, coeptus mean? at novas ordo cyclorum? what are the Roman numerals behind on the bottom of the pyramid why are there 13 layers going up the pyramid why is there an I inside the triangle I'm glad you ask, because there's one hell of a story sitting right in front of you and you didn't even see it this is the symbol for Jesus the chief cornerstone Let's go. First of all, in Proverbs 25, the Bible says in the Old Testament, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. But the honor of kings is to search out a matter. It's as if God is playing a trick with you. See if you're smart enough to figure this one out. He conceals it and waits to see if you are humble enough and spiritually integrity enough and smart enough to figure it out it's sitting right there in front of you and you never saw it so the scripture says it is the glory of god to conceal a thing the honor of kings is to search it out consequently obviously this is a very important symbol to very powerful people in our world the people who run america run the world Novas Ordo Seclorum. The word Novas Ordo Seclorum simply means the new order of the ages, or the new age, or the new world order. That goes back to, we find that originally in Virgil, the court historian, or the court poet, I should say, the court appointed poet in the Roman Empire to the Caesars, his name was Virgil. And in honor of Tiberius Caesar, he wrote a poem for Caesar. That's what he did for a living. He entertained the kings and Caesars with his poems. And he had a poem in which he referred to something called Novas Ordo Cyclotum, the New Order of the Ages. Interesting stuff, I think. You need to understand that the ancient Roman Empire is still with us today. They call it the Vatican the Holy Father. I will tell you a thing. There is nothing holy about the Holy Father. There is nothing holy about the church. There's nothing holy in Israel. The only thing holy in Israel are the stories. They're filled with holes. There's nothing holy, there's nothing holy in Salt Lake City, in Rome, in New York, or anywhere else. The word, Novus Ordo Ciclorum, New Order of the Ages, is now associated with Illuminati. These are occult symbols that you find on the dollar bill. Ralph Epperson, who's done a great bit of uh, research on the occultism going on in world affairs, he has something called the New World Order, a book. We find that the eye and the pyramid, is connected to Illuminati. And incidentally, back in 1966, when Anthony J. Hilder produced the first records, 1966, Anthony Hilder produced a series of records with a man named Myron Fagan. And Myron Fagan was a Jewish playwright, and he began talking about something called Illuminati. And Anthony Hilda produced the records back in 1966, uh, pretty close to 40 years ago. And in 1967, I was, uh, 1963, I was giving a lecture in downtown Los Angeles on secret societies and fraternal orders in government and religion uh, when John Kennedy, when I heard that John Kennedy was assassinated. So in 1963, I was giving lectures. That's 40 years ago. I forgot more about this subject than most people are ever going to hope to learn. But my problem is today, I'm talking to a country that has no idea in the world what I'm talking about. The, the gap has, has widened so much that I normally, when I talk to other people, I end up talking to myself now I just talk directly to me because you know. <laughs> I know myself so well if I don't like the subject I don't even bring it up you know. but so many people are now it's starting to come into play now very big throughout the world after 40 years of me talking about it and other people it caught on David Icke is now talking about Illuminati of course I brought David Icke to America In 1996 I brought him here myself but Get back to this symbol on the back of the dollar bill, the Illuminati. There have been many books, especially written by Christians, uh, dealing with the subject of Illuminati. As interesting, the insignia that is used by MI5 and MI6, Her Majesty's Secret Service in England, uses this as an arm patch for MI5 and MI6 a pyramid which you will see the i at the top as m i m i five british secret intelligence Mm -hmm. i will tell you british secret intelligence provides not only intelligence for the british to control the world but they also provide the the theology for many of our york-right cults in america Many of our religious cults in America, their religious teachings come from MI5 and MI6, British intelligence. So, is this symbol evil or is it good? And what does it really mean? The eye and the triangle, the pyramid. And why is it on the dollar bill? Well, first of all, the eye itself is very important. And of course we know that the eye has been associated with something called Illuminati. The reason why you have the word illuminati, incidentally, is from in the ancient Sumerian language, the gods would call Ilus. Ilu or I L L U. I D. I L U. And in Semitic it became I it became E L L but L was actually comes from I-L-U, this is so which important gives us uh, that the concept that God is enlightenment. So our word illuminati oh. illuminati or illumination. Combine. God is illumination. The I represents illumination. Of course, the triangle with the eye has, of course, been used in Freemasonry. And incidentally, uh, it's used in Freemasonry all over the world. It's used in Masonic documents. More pictures. This is the Masonic apron. CBS has the all-seeing eye, and you'll see it's placed within the triangle. This is in uh, the Far East. Disney uses it uh, for Atlantis, uh, advertisement for the movie Atlantis. What does the symbol of the eye represent, and where did the idea originate? The idea of the eye is from Egypt. It's the eye of Horus. And again, now you see the eye in the triangle, but it is the Horus eye. It's the eye of Horus. We see it also in Time Warner uses it. Corporations use it. Uh, we see it in a government document, and one nation under God. You see what God it is, Horus. And I keep wanting to get off into a totally different subject when I get into Horus. Yeah. Horus was the sun, and Horus walked across the sky in 12 steps. When he was born, he was called Horus of the first step. And then Horus of the second step. And Horus ultimately took 12 steps. That's where the alcoholics have a 12 step program. <laughs> so do you have a 12 step program? You go to school in the first grade and you end up in the 12th grade. It's a 12 step program.
0: Okay, it's 12. Calendar <clears throat> and
1: consequently, Horus was the sun. The sun walked across the sky in 12 steps called 12 Horuses H O R U S, Horus. Horus we today change it around and make it h-o-u-r-s so it's 12 hours it's actually 12 horuses and the sun brings light into the world It walks across the sky in 12 steps and brings light into the world and so consequently and light in latin was lucius or luke skywalker he does battle with darth vader the prince of darkness so all of this is very interesting but it's making the point that the eye of horus is also known as the eye of Ra. it represents the sun and expresses the divine omnipotence of god the creator so in the ancient egyptian the sun represented the presence of god the eye of god the eye was a primary organ of sense perception the eye is closely connected with light the sun the spirit It is a symbol of mental vision, the mirror of the soul, an instrument of soul-intellectual expression. So the light, the sun, Horus, represents intellectual, spiritual enlightenment.
0: Okay, I'm just going to interrupt this for a second because I just want to tell you that you probably know most of this information by now. But uh, Jordan Maxwell brought it forward a long long time ago and some of us may not have understood what it was that he was talking about but Jordan Maxwell has been trying to help us for years and he almost got killed Um, then six months ago they took all his computer stuff and ransacked his little place that he had because they'd done it before, so he had to go and get another place. He's gone through a lot to try to bring us this information. So, that's all I have to say. Here we go.
1: symbol of the sun God Rock combines the images of the sun and the eye. Consequently, the sun was always referred to as the eye of God. God's Son, the light of the world. Of course the Son is the light of the world. And he walks on water. Yes, go out and watch him walk on water. At 6 o'clock in the evening, he walks on water. And just as he was, just as he is leaving on a cloud, he foretold he will come back on a cloud. That's right. Every morning, about 5.30, he comes back on a cloud. And every evening, he leaves on a cloud. We're talking about God's Son, S-U-N not S-O-N. Consequently, in the Germanic language, which is our language, the Germanic language, the sun is spelled S-O-N. That thing which comes up in the morning, the Germans spell it S-O-N. And therefore, your boy is your son. He's the light of your life. S-U-N. So we change it around now in Anglo-Saxon, and the boy is now S-O-N. And... The sun is now S-U-N. It's a play on words. A dictionary of symbols from the philosophical research library. The eye, given that the sun is a source of light and that light is symbolic of intelligence. Of course, if you are intellectually enlightened, especially if you are intellectually enlightened, you are said to be brilliant. And so consequently, the uh, given that the sun is a source of light, and that light is symbolic of intelligence and the spirit, then the process of seeing represents a spiritual act of symbolically understanding. Dictionary of all scriptures and myth. We find the eye is, again, the symbol of mental perception, or the discernment of ideas. The eye represents in the ancient world, and still today, your brain, your God's enlightening you. You say, oh, I see. No, no, no. What you're saying is it's finally dawned on you. The sun has finally come up in your darkness of your life, and it finally illuminated something. You say, oh, I see. It finally dawned on you. No, the sun represents spiritual enlightenment. Dictionary of Biblical Themes. The human eyes may symbolize spiritual vision. This is why eyes, the part of the body, design for seeing. In Scripture, the eyes are often associated with light, watchfulness, spiritual understanding, where blindness may be a metaphor for darkness, ignorance of God, and rebellion against truth. Encyclopedia of Religion. Uh, we see that the religious and mystical value of the eye the eye is also a privileged organ of knowledge for the wise and learned buddha the awakened one received inner enlightenment through the celestial eye the light of the sun is of all life and all well-being of nature so we're talking about the sun it says in the world of the mind in the world of the mind, too, the dawn of light came to represent awareness, enlightenment, and knowledge, making light a universal symbol. And here in the old ancient Sumerian uh, world, we see the sun. And it has one eye, the eye of God, the sun. And it's it's um, a reference book on the ancient religion of the Sumerians, the old enemy, Satan and the combat myth. This was the Prince of Darkness, and he was trying to kill God's Son, the light of the world, our risen Savior. Of course the Son is your risen Savior. If it doesn't come up, we're dead. So it's risen, and it saves you. So consequently, there was an old ancient uh, story about how the Prince of darkness and his name was set in egypt the prince of darkness his name was set because they noticed they got dark at sunset so consequently god's son the light of the world had an evil brother his name was set and so it's the war between light and darkness or intellectual spiritual enlightenment and stupidity light and darkness So much of the world in America is in the dark. They haven't got the faintest idea what's going on because they don't know how to read the symbols. In the book of Psalms 33, 18, it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. The eye of God, the light of the world, our risen Savior. The eye has been used in Judaism. We see it in Jewish publications, the eye. Here in the synagogue you will see the eye in the synagogue you will see it in advertisements for Israel you will see it on aprons for the for the high priest you will see it on um, the 10 commandments you'll see the stone at the top here it is in uh, in a Jewish book for children where Moses goes up and encounters the almighty God and you will see the eye in the triangle. This is the Jewish publication. Here, when Adam and Eve are being cast out of the garden, another Jewish publication, you will see the eye at the top. The eye is also the eye of wisdom used in the Islamic religion. Even the Islamic uh, Mohammedans still, they get in on the same thing. And they also have the same symbolism. The Egyptian hieroglyphic of the sun god is a rival in victory over darkness. The sign has also been using Christian symbolism. Yes, Christianity, the eye of God. And the book Symbols of the Church, you will see symbols of the Old and New Testament, the eye and the triangle, the all seeing eye of God. Another book called Symbols and Their Meaning, the all seeing eye of God. Here's another one Behold the sign all-seeing eye of God. The eye and the triangle. The all-seeing eye, as we find it inscribed on the obelisk and the walls of the temples of Egypt. The eye and the triangle symbolizes the presence of intellectual and spiritual enlightenment. Here's uh, taken from a graveyard in in England. The eye being the sun. Here in the Vatican we see, um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, you zip in closer, and you will find she's holding God's son, the light of the world. Of course, the son is the light of the world, and he has twelve helpers. Well, of course, he has twelve helpers, just as as uh, Joseph had twelve brothers, the twelve brothers of uh, the twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve uh, the twelve stones on the breast. Of the high priest, the twelve brothers of Joseph, the twelve tribes of Israel, uh, the twelve apostles. Twelve is very important to the eye of God. Why? Because the eye represents the sun that gives light into the world. And consequently, it has twelve helpers. Yeah, the twelve signs of the zodiac. Okay. In the ancient Hebrew and the ancient world, The zodiac was referred to as the kingdom the zodiological kingdom this is why the prayer says our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name that's another there's something that you need to know about that hallowed be thy name thy name let thy kingdom come and let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven meaning that what you see in the astrological symbols the 12 signs of the zodiac or the 12 months of the year. The chosen 12 with the sun as the master. Let thy kingdom come and let thy will be done on earth. Simply meaning the eye represents the sun. The father is symbolized by the all-seeing eye. God is also referred to as the all-seeing eye. Here we have the eye and the triangle as a symbol of a god. Here we have Jesus in the the churches of Europe. You'll see at the top the all-seeing eye. The eye is very important in Christianity. It's a luminous experience, sacred allegory. Here we have the 12 apostles and the eye of God overseeing. The eye is a symbol of the Trinity. Here in the New American Bible, you will see the Lord is portrayed as a triangle and the the eye in the triangle. Here in a church in Italy, you will see closer up a triangle with the eye. Here's a better picture of it. And here in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, you will see the eye of God. Here it is in a synagogue or a church. Here it is in other churches. Many, many churches around the world have the eye and the triangle. Here on the bottom of this um, picture you will see again God's Son, the light of the world, the eye. The all-seeing eye of God, therefore the sun, the symbol of the eye represents the sun, the all-seeing eye of God. What I'm trying to say here is that this concept of Jesus being God's Son, Jesus is a metaphor. It is a symbolic word. Which means, the word Jesus implies the, the light of the world, intellectual, spiritual enlightenment. So therefore, whatever Jesus said, whatever Jesus did, whatever happened to Jesus, whatever circumstances Jesus was in, whatever the story is each time you're reading in the Bible, whatever happened to Jesus, what he said, what he did, It's what would intellectual, spiritual discernment from God do? Well, in this particular case, intellectual, spiritual enlightenment said this in relation to that situation. Well, spiritual, intellectual enlightenment would do this. It would do that. It would say this. It would say that. So Jesus was a symbolic metaphor for intellectual spiritual enlightenment which is represented in the ancient hebrew and in the ancient phoenician system and in all of the ancient world as the sun this is why he's referred to as god's son, the light of the world of course the sun is the light of the world it's simple once you understand the sun represents intellectual enlightenment because the whole world is in darkness until God's son is risen he said he would come back he said he would return and he does every morning about 4:45. what does the Egyptian pyramid represent and what does it have to do with the eye of God now we get back to the pyramid on the dollar bill first of all pyramids were always almost all pyramids were pyramids to the sun there were some who were pyramids to the moon but most of them were pyramids to the sun. In pyramidology, pyramids were used around the world and even more so now, even in old England, pyramids are very popular. In France, at the Louvre Museum, uh, wealthy, the Rothschilds had one in their backyard. Pyramids have been used around the world and even our General Services Administration uses pyramids. Churches are designed in triangles uh, pyramids on another church in, uh, in Europe
0: oh,
1: my. pyramid Thank at St. Anne's church in London here is a very important point all such pyramids are believed to have represented the cosmic mountain in esoteric thought the pyramid can be considered not only the representation of the world axis but as also a symbol of enlightenment its apex is spiritual obtainment Meaning that when you start out in life, you start out in the base. Like me, I got my start in life as a baby. And consequently, if if you start out on the bottom, you work your way up to the top. And hopefully, by the time, at the end of your life, when you've reached the pinnacle of your life, you will finally intellectually and spiritually enlightened. And you should have a little bit more brains than the teenager... Because you've been around longer and you've been crawling up the pyramid of life, reaching the top intellectual, spiritual enlightenment. That's what pyramids represented. Now, that's another word that just came up pyramids. Its apex represents the highest level of spiritual attainment. That's an interesting word apex. Well, Keep in mind that the sun represents the eye of God, the symbol of the highest intellectual and spiritual enlightenment. This is an apex. This is referred to in Egypt as a chief cornerstone, or a the correct term that is used by pyramidologists today. It is a pyramidion. A pyramidion. This is a very interesting. Concept At the very top of the pyramid, the sun, the light of the world. Meaning, once you've reached the top of the pyramid in your life, you are spiritually, intellectually enlightened, or at least you're supposed to be. So the sun, with the triangle, is a symbol of crawling up life into the higher dimensions looking for light. This is why motion picture uh, companies use the same symbol. It's used in the uh, far east in the temples of the far east. The pyramids always represent the pinnacle of a spiritual enlightenment. It's used in Christianity. Here we have a uh, a wedding, and you will see the sun in the triangle over the church. Uh, here in Isaiah, um, no, this is in Jeremiah we read something interesting it says God which has set this is talking about God now in Jeremiah this is God which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt even unto this day in Israel and among other men so we're told that uh, we're talking about 19 God we'll see up in 18 you're talking about God now And God which has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. You think, wait a minute, minute. God has set signs and wonders in Egypt even unto this day? What are you talking about? Stone is a symbol of eternal substance of spirit. Undoubtedly, the builders of the pyramid got their architectural ideas from divinely inspired sources which were reverent very deeply. So the idea was that God has inspired the building of pyramids. God's symbolism, the symbolism is the building of a pyramid, which is your life, building up to the top pinnacle of your life uh, to obtain spiritual enlightenment. Now, in the book of Isaiah, very interesting point is brought up. In Isaiah 19, says this in that day shall there be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar at the border thereof for many years biblical scholars believe that it's talking about two separate things here in that day shall there be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt, midst is middle and a pillar at the border thereof so we're talking about two things here, a, an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt, and a pillar at the border. It wasn't until the late 1800s that the German uh, philosophers, doing research on the Bible, it finally dawned on somebody to read the second uh, scripture beneath it, Isaiah 19:20, And it shall be for a sign and for a witness unto the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. Now it's saying it, one thing it. Then they discovered that if you divide Egypt, if you divide Egypt as Egypt was divided in Isaiah's time Egypt was like North and South Carolina North and South Dakota. Both of them are Carolinas, both are Dakotas, but they're two separate entities. And they have a division down the middle. So it's north and south decoder. Totally different. In Egypt, there was always two Egypts. The, uh, the upper Egypt, the delta, and the lower Nile. So they always had two Egypts, two pharaohs, two different operations completely until one of the pharaohs overthrew the other and joined the two together and became one Egypt on the one pharaoh. But when he did that, where the two Egypts were divided the British went in after the First World War and started doing their calculations, and they discovered that where the ancient Egyptians drew the line between northern Egypt and the lower delta was, uh, was going right directly through, the line would go directly through the Great Pyramid of Giza. The line goes directly through the Pyramid of Giza. Consequently, it's the altar in the middle, And it's the pillar at the border, because the border is the middle. So you're talking about the same thing. The pyramid is the altar of God. God put it there. God put it there, the Egyptian pyramid. And that's why it's on the American dollar bill. It is a symbol which was put in Egypt at the scripture says in in, in, uh, Isaiah 19, 19, and 20. It was put there at the behest of God, the pillar at the border is the altar in the middle. This is just more saying the same thing. In that day shall there be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar at the border, and it shall be for a sign and witness. Okay? There it is. The pyramid at the border and the uh, altar in the middle. This is not the great pyramid of Giza. This is the Middle Pyramid. This is not the Great Pyramid of Giza. This is the Great Pyramid of Giza. And uh, it's truly a, a wondrous sight to, to go in to see. Again, now, the Great Pyramid, it's Divine Message by David Davidson. David Davison did a lot of research on the pyramid in relation to messianic symbolism in the ancient world. The ancient Egyptian belief in the pyramid's messianic symbolism, that's what the pyramid meant to the ancient Egyptians. The pyramid represented to the ancients who built it the the idea that you are building up to God. You're going up in your life, building higher, higher, and higher until you reach the pinnacle of your life. And now you have finally understood that God is the center of all enlightenment in the world. And you have finally reached an age of enlightenment in your mind. So that's what the pyramids represented. Messianic symbolism. The pyramid, Egyptian and Hebrew, Messiahism that the earliest Messianic prophecies of the dynastic Egyptians were the Messianic prophecies of the Great Pyramid. So, in the recent years, the whole subject has been reconsidered in the light of comparative religions. Gonko, who, especially with our present subject, Graspen, have urged that Jewish eschatology, including the Messianic hope, The whole idea of the Jewish Messiah is not a new development in the prophetic or exilic periods, but that it goes back to a far earlier age and is really not specifically Jewish at all. They argue that the hope of a divine, semi-divine deliverer, the harbinger. So it's saying that the whole idea of a Messiah is not Jewish at all. It goes back to the pyramids of Egypt coming of the Messiah is divine knowledge gained by experience. According to the ancients, the whole concept of a Messiah was the coming of a time in which the whole world will finally wake up. But, unfortunately, that's not right now. We're still all in the dark. We're in the dark because the church and the international banking cartels of the Knights Templars want us to be in the dark they don't want us to understand the symbolism in the Bible and for the first time wake up and find out what the real story is like the movie says you can't handle the truth most people can't handle truth the light is too bright again one of the reference works is Messiah a symbol of the incoming truth of the higher self great pyramid proof of god pyramid messianicism the essential the central person in the bible is the messiah the same is true in the egyptian book of the dead and the great pyramid the pagan text he is called in the ancient pagan texts of egypt lord of the Pyramid. We observe therefore according to the ancient text that the spiritual and symbolical meaning was displaced for another having physical reality only. It was not until the 6th century AD that a man was placed on the cross. For 500 years before the year 600, Christianity was always uh, pictured symbolically. As a lamb carrying a flag, and it was not until the 6th century that it was decided in Constantinople that a man should be put on the cross to represent Messiah. The idea being at that time that we are going to bear our own crosses as we go through life. As we are, lo- are learning about truth and intellectual, spiritual enlightenment, you've got to bear your own cross. You've got to make your mistakes and pay for them all. And one day you will reach the top of the pyramid and for the first time be enlightened. Osiris Ra, amun re You will remember that Horus, or the sun, was also called, another term for the sun in Egypt, was called Amun-Ra, Amun-Re, Amen ra because the Egyptians said that you cannot see God, no one's ever seen God, the Egyptians said, but you can see his boy, his offspring, that represents him, and that's true, because your boy does represent you, what you do to my son, you do to me, so consequently, his, the boy or his son, S-U-N, represented God the Father, who you cannot see. But in Egypt, his, the God's son was called Amun Ray, R-A, which we get Sun ra God's son, the light of the world, Amun Ra. And so at the end of the prayers in Egypt, they would say Amen, because the son was Amen Ray. He represented God the Father, Osiris. Amen. Amen Ra. The God of the pyramid, the light at the top of the pyramid, spiritual and intellectual enlightenment, the Messiah, Lord of the pyramid, Osiris, Ra, Messiah of the pyramid, Messianicism and the Great Pyramid, Messianicism's thousand years before the Hebrews. So the whole concept of Messiah was over a thousand years before the Hebrews ever even thought about a Messiah. The ancient Egyptians already had established the worship of Amun-Re, God's son, the light of the world, who has 12 helpers or 12 followers, in which 13 was the unlucky number. Because God's son was the master and his chosen 12, the 12 signs of the Zodiac was his followers, the 12 months of the year. The twelve followers with their master, the son, was thirteen. Now you understand why thirteen is the unlucky number because it represents God's son, the light of the world with his chosen twelve. The whole idea, pyramid. We talked about the apex as the starting point and the finishing point of all things. Joining the apex to the base of a triangular shape, faces of the pyramid symbolizes fire, divine revelation. The pyramid is seen as a symbol expressing the whole of the work of creation. Consequently, and is the apex stone rejected by the builders of the pyramid not a messianic symbol? Pyramid, the apex is a starting point and the finishing point of all things. Yes, the top of the pyramid is both the Alpha and the Omega. You either start at the at the top of the pyramid and go down or if you want to start at the bottom you're going to end up at the pyramid at the top so either way you're going to hit the top you either start there or you end up there the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end It's all at the top of the pyramid which represents spiritual and intellectual final enlightenment of the human mind the book of Revelation, chapter one, says Jesus Christ, and Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Christ's offspring, the spiritual generation, the pyramid as a symbol of spiritual universe. The apex, again we get that word, apex. The apex, its chief cornerstone, itself, the perfect pyramid representing Christ. Here again, we go back to, in that day shall there be an altar in the midst of the land of Egypt, and for a sign, and it shall be for a sign and for a witness. Wait a minute. The the pyramid in Egypt is for a sign and for a witness of the Lord in the land of Egypt? Then why is it on the dollar bill? Is there something going on here that we don't know that's connecting America, the international banking cartels of the world, and Egypt? Is there something going on with the church behind the scenes with the Knights Templar Masonic Lodge out of London and the international banking cartels? There is something going on here, and they're not telling us the whole story. We have a complete explanation of the statement of Isaiah 1919 concerning the sign and the witness. It says, Isaiah, on the divine revelation, set up in permanent form in Egypt. Thus, the explanation would account for the use of the pyramid symbolism and the allegorical language of the Old and New Testament. In such allegorical references, the mystical body of Christ is likened to the pyramid with Christ himself, the apex stone. Okay? Again, Christ is always the apex stone, the Christos, the highest one can get intellectually and spiritually. Psalms 118. In the Bible, Psalms 118.22 says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Ephesians 2.20, You yourselves build the foundation of the apostles and prophets of Christ, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Not cornerstone, chief cornerstone. Now here is a classic example of how even Jews don't even understand this, much less Christians. Here's a um, calendar was sent to me from, a, from the synagogue. And you will see, here is the corner of a building. And here it says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, Psalms 118. This is on the corner of a building. The Jews don't even realize, because they don't read any more than Christians do, they don't even realize that there's a world of difference between cornerstone and chief cornerstone. They think the Messiah is the corner of a building. That tells you how much the Jews know. Church dedication, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. No, that's a cornerstone. A cornerstone for those who cannot get the concept in their mind is simply a stone at the end of a building. It's a corner stone. This is what the masons call the cornerstone. It's called the rough ashlar in Freemasonry. The rough ashlar is a is a stone which is not very smooth, but it's squared. So that's why you play fair and square and masonry, the masonic square and the compass. You play fair and square or you'll go to jail to get three square meals. You play baseball at the square. Why do you have New York Square, you have Vatican Square, you have uh, Soviet Red Square, Tiananmen Square. All over the world, the center of power in all nations is at the square, like New York, Madison Square Garden. What are you talking about square? Masonry, the Masonic Order, Freemasonry. The whole concept of the, of the chief cornerstone is a Masonic symbol. And that's why it's on the back of the dollar bill. And it means the presence of the Almighty God. This is serious stuff I recommend. Incredible. This is a chief cornerstone. You will see back here, this is a cornerstone, this is a chief cornerstone. It's squared, but it has a pyramid on the top. This is a cornerstone, this is a cornerstone, this is a chief cornerstone. At least the Masons have got it right. They understand that's a chief cornerstone, which represents the eye and the pyramid the symbol of the presence of God, intellectual, spiritual enlightenment. Masons are many things, but stupid is not one of them. They know exactly what these symbols mean. And they are also well aware that both Jews and Christians haven't got the faintest idea in the world what the masters of banking and government are really doing. I would suggest you might want to go back on whatever it is you thought you understood and do your homework because there's a bigger story here yet. God is too big for one religion. And we have finite minds and we're trying to understand the infinite principle of wisdom. So you need to realize that the chief cornerstone is, as this scripture says, this uh, reference work says building a symbol of raised spiritual qualities in the higher mind the coming of christ in his kingdom he is the chief cornerstone in the foundation he is the chief top stone in whom the builder the building is completed having the preeminence he's the chief top stone in whom the building is completed yeah the pyramid is completed once you hit the top Another Bible reference work, chief cornerstone. This is all one word in Greek. It comes from the two Greek words, highest and angle. It's a purely biblical term, the highest angle. Here's another reference work and another Christian reference work. It says, a cornerstone, Ephesians 2.20, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. According to the Expositor Bible Commentary, the Greek word for cornerstone means the tip of the angle. Okay? The tip of the angle. Word biblical biblical commentary. Since Jeremiah proposed that the cornerstone is in fact the final stone of the building, or as the crowning stone, the top stone of the edifice,